Welcome to another mid-month musical edition of A Year in Horror, where I interview various guest musicians about their love of horror and beyond. And if you can hear the wind, it's because my windows are open, because it's bloody hot. Today, we're going to be chatting with a very good buddy of mine. And I'm not just saying that, he is actually a really good buddy of mine. It's Mr. Stuart Day. He is the singer and the guitarist with Donnie Jepp. He also, would you believe, hangs out with me talking about horror movies when I go on tour with the band that I sing in, because he plays guitar in that one too. In this conversation, we're going to be talking about the ongoing predicament that bands find themselves in now that the majority of the music press has disappeared, and also the music industry for non-mega bands, how that becomes an assault course just to get yourself heard amongst all the noise. So that's the sort of angle we're going with, the music side of stuff. But then we're going to get into some purging. But before that stuff, of course I've got to do this. Just a quick note to big up here, A Year in Horror's Patreon page. Currently, there's so much going on that I can't do it in one breath any longer. But we are coming up to the halfway point now, going through the various delights of the video nasties, 80s, grime panic, where I sit down and I usually talk with a guest and then watch a random film from the list and then we chat about it. As I say, it gets grimy. We've also got charts, we've got AMAs, we've got music stuff, film reviews. There's a regular radio show, lots of stuff. It's called patreon.com forward slash a year in horror. you just heard was of course the purge siren and for me when i hear it i know that i am in for some friendly violent fun just as that thrash band exodus used to say for around a year now fans of the series have known that there's now going to be a six movie it's coming out quite soon the film will take place 10 years after forever purge that's the one with all the cowboy hats uh, in the year 2059 it has been said by director james dominico that the portrayal of a dystopian tribalized america will be different in this film it's referencing escape from new york as an influence and that is a good enough reason for me to stay invested in this franchise today we are talking about the purge anarchy the second in the series, and so far, my favourite of the series. And I'll be honest, I'm not sure why I give this series such a pass when I hold so many other movies accountable for their actions, but I don't mind the exploitation stuff in this at all. Most of the characters are never truly fleshed out, their existence and personality traits are usually left for the viewer to piece together from the little bits that we get given, and it happens with tons of other exploitation movies that I've seen over the past 20 years or so. Breaking it into its various set pieces, all of the Purge movies, they do feel like a bit of a mess, but that's not really the point. 
I love this exploitative, trashy fun. I love it. Do I want to see a drunk landlord wanting to rape the main sisters in this? The protagonist of this film, only to come a cropper in the most bloody of ways? Well, yes, I do. When Michael K. Williams screams, fuck you, fuck your money, and fuck the motherfucking purge, I can see the irony. I love that. So with all that being said, this is the purge anarchy. step on it it's getting late i'm sorry i'm so anxious it's just tonight we're gonna be okay just like always no no this can't be happening no one's gonna help us tonight this is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge at the siren, all crime, including murder, will be legal for 12 hours. All emergency services will be suspended. Your government thanks you for your participation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Happy Christmas, Stu. Happy Christmas. It's a bit warm for Christmas, isn't it? It is. Do you know what? You are the very last person that I've organised for uh, the sort of Christmas season, and it's still summer. It's still summer. Merry Christmas. So far in advance. (laughs) I'm the last present on your Christmas list. Well, you are. Yeah. And we're talking about the purge anarchy today. And I wanted to talk to you about the purge since you mentioned it when we were on tour together in Ohms. Yes. I was talking about horror movies. You say, oh, you love the purge. I thought you were talking about the movies. You were talking about a TV series. And then I went, oh, what about the movies? And you said, I love them too. I do. I think it was because I was recently watching the series, which is why it was the first thing that came to my mind. And I remember this conversation vividly. We were in a weird, mouldy basement in Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't they all weird and mouldy? Well, that one was, you know, exceptionally mouldy. The beers went mouldy on the outside. Oh, was that one? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah it's good, good times. That was Glasgow. It was. Yeah. <laughs> Who can get beer to go mouldy? Glasgow. Yeah. That's <laughs> anyway, let's not talk about that rubbish band. Let's talk about the band that we're here to talk about today before we go into the purge. So, Donny Jepp. Yeah. New singles are coming out. So I'm actually switching on my phone here because I don't know the title of the first one that came out. You know it. You know it, um, yeah. That was the first one this year. And now you've just released Wine and Dine. We've just released Wine and Dine. And it's in August now. But obviously Christmas in August. I know you've got another one that will be out or just about to come out by the time this comes out. Do you know what that's called? It's called Chin Up Lad. Got a question for you. Go on. Why are you doing it like this? So we've got singles, singles, singles. Not like going off with an album. Um, what's the reason? Um, we were looking, when we were making these decisions, We were because we did this for our last album, which um, came out at the start of this year. But that album had been coming out for a full year. 
so bands like Sleep Token had done it. A load of other kind of really big acts had sort of started to lean towards this. It's actually a a technique that a lot of the electronic music music guys do, as well as the K-pop bands do. Sure. Is they'll yeah. release uh, if the album's twelve tracks, they'll release twelve singles, or they might not even put an album out because if you think about it, uh, in the day and age we live in now with Spotify, if you upload an album you get one chance to pitch that album to the spotify curators out of the however many tracks are on the album but if you pit if you put every single song out as a single over a span of a campaign you get every single chance to pitch those sure. to the 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 guys at spotify which is obviously very helpful and we did get playlist by spotify like all new rock and a bunch of the other kind of smaller alt rock um curated playlist last year five or six times i think so it obviously worked and that really draws attention to your music because it's a kind of captive audience of actual human beings um because you get a lot of dodgy playlists on spotify that are all fake plays and you've got to really like be careful navigating your way around all of this stuff so the spotify curated ones are like the ones you want because you're guaranteed to get X amount of thousand listens by X amount of thousand actual people. Um, there's no guaranteeing that those people will like your music, but that's the risk you take with anything, isn't it? It's such a frustrating way for old old fogies like me to to have to navigate new systems of sort of marketing like that. Um, and I must admit, it took a while before I started enjoying it, and I, I, mm. I really do enjoy that sort of thing now. It's so alien to this whole age group, this whole demographic of people that are just they get frustrated because like why have they released ten singles, you know? And it's only since like you say Sleep Token, I know a band called Night Demon did it recently. So it's now starting to drift over into the community that I'm mm-hmm. part of, and I, I sort of love it. I sort of really enjoy getting that like those trickles. And like then when you p- press play on the latest single, you've got all the other ones underneath. Yeah, it's I a bit like that. the way I the best way I can think of describing it is like a a subscription to a magazine back in the day. Like I used to have Total Guitar magazines. You would go, of course you did, of course I of did, course hundreds did. of them. I tell you, it cost my parents a fortune. Um, <laughs> but you'd get one episode a month, and you'd be looking forward to the next episode. Obviously, with magazines, you know that the next episode is coming, but if you have a fan base or even if you don't have a fan base but you're trying to grow a fan base if they know that there's going to be something new coming people love new things so one of my favorite bands in the alt rock world is a band called Don Broco and they put out an album out every three years and you can go back and track how they've done it but in those three years where they're not putting music out they'll put out maybe one or two just random songs that aren't on the album to keep people interested um they could obviously keep people interested even if they didn't do that but as a consumer as well as someone who is making music from the, my consumer brain on i prefer to have new stuff more often uh, and that's probably to do with how social media works now and it's ruined everyone that your attention spans so short that unless you're in people's faces constantly they forget who you are and that was definitely something that yeah. when we put out our last album that we were really trying to focus on because we were growing we started a band during a pandemic we have effectively done 11 gigs at this point but we've put out two albums 
Well, here's the thing. People might be naysaying about this and saying, oh, but but no, it doesn't work. But it does. It does. Like, you have sold out your last two shows, you know, yeah. and they're no, no small fry shows either. So this is definitely working. And, yeah, I'm just really dead pleased for you. And before we go into The Purge, I want you to choose <laughs> a song that we're going to play. So because it's just come out, even though it won't make timeline sense when this podcast comes out, I'm going to choose the song Wine and Dine. What's the meaning for this feeling we're sharing? Wanna make it clear, wanna get out of here with you. Get Is the place where we can slow down the pace, get in each other's heads, and jump from bed to bed. So, as mentioned, we're going to talk about The Purge. Now, I've not mentioned this in any episode, any episode mm. at all, um, previously. So, this is the first time it's come up on A Year in Horror. Got the exclusive. And I wonder why it is. Like, this series is, just like the Saw series, ridiculously popular. And yet, it's sort of sniffed at by the horror snobs. Oh, another one of these. And I don't yeah. think it should be. I think you can take a lot from it. Um, I want to ask you, first of all, be before I ask you all about The Purge, I want to know your history with horror movies. So, did it sort of start around this time with The Purge? I mean, you're a lot younger than I am, or, or do you have a history of it, of sneaking sort of around the corner of the chair with your parents and watching horror films behind their backs and things? I have certainly seen horror through my, through my time. Um, my go-to horror genre is probably cheesy zombie movies horror in the sense of like the paranormal things are usually not my vibe even stuff that's overtly like really uh violent i know the purge is violent but arguably the purge is more of a thriller action movie with horrible elements in, in it and i know zombie movies can be violent but you can find the you can find the comic, the comedy in that because you can go, well, I wouldn't have done that if I was in that situation in zombie movies, for example. And I find there's some, a lot of comfort in that. Uh, normally when I'm feeling a bit low or I'm a bit hungover, I'll watch a zombie movie as for comfort because I'll be like, watch other people make stupid mistakes so I don't have to think about my own stupid mistakes. <laughs> well, in our chats on tour, you said, you said, um, oh, have you seen Cockneys versus Zombies? Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, I why would I ever want to watch that? Brilliant. And then I watched it and I loved Absolutely it. Absolutely brilliant movie. It's, it's really well made considering I've seen some terrible, terribly made movies like a, a movie called KFZ, which looked like they'd filmed it on a Nokia 3310, which doesn't even have a camera. That's how bad it was. Um, wow. 
Can't wait. But, <laughs> yeah, don't watch that one. We skipped most of it. <laughs> but no, Cockneys versus Zombies was, was very well made. And it had some faces pop up in it as well. I don't know if you recognised any of the, the famous people in it, but a few of those, a couple of people from EastEnders were in it, I'm fairly certain. The guy who plays yeah. Bricktop was in it from uh, The Lockstock. <laughs> and the old guy who has this in a frame chase with a zombie. One of my biggest laughs... Yeah, watching a film on my own, I think, in the last couple of years has been the Zimmer yeah. frame scene. And he was uh, in the Good Life series back in the day. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, generally, though, like when you say that sort of thing, these are more modern films. Do you like ever look back on like The Exorcist, Jaws, and all those massive classics, The Shining? Do they interest you, or are you just like whatever comes along these? I days? have seen those movies, absolutely, and they were brilliant. I say so it's the same with music for me. I'm always trying to find something new. So if I've already seen something, I will opt to watch something that I haven't seen rather than go back to watch something I have seen. Okay. Having said that, I have rewatched The Purge Anarchy just for this, <laughs> for the fifth time probably. Um, <laughs> so no, I, I yeah, I, I do enjoy horror. Depends. It's a very specific style of horror, I think, that I enjoy. And I'm not entirely sure what that specific style of horror is. I think there just has to be some some kind of comedy to it to, like, lighten it a little bit for me, maybe. I think there is comedy within these movies, although not necessarily in on purpose. No. <laughs> like, there are so many situations that happen that are ridiculous that after the film finishes, you roll your eyes. And you, you want to mark it down because of it. But... You can't because you've just enjoyed them so much. Uh, <laughs> well, Blumhouse is so annoying for doing yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, the whole idea of The Purge, for me, like as soon as I hear that siren, that famous siren, that I just rub my hands mm. together. I get quite excited for, for all the movies, including the first, which I've noticed when I was doing research for this, that fans are like, eh, first one's all right. Well, the first one, I deliberately um, didn't choose the first one for the same reasons you've just mentioned about really stupid decisions from the characters i was like i can't choose the first movie because i again rewatched that one uh for some context for the second one and i was just like ah this is i would have not dealt with this situation in the way that they dealt with this situation (laughs) (laughs) well i want to always know with them and one of those funny things i just mentioned is why when like so just let's just say the idea of the purge for those that don't know and you should really be watching this before we talk about it and spoil it is that for one day of the year because of terrible economic um depression going on in the world today people were allowed to let off steam for one day all crime is made legal is that right for for the whole night is that yeah only in america that is very you know i think that is an important thing to say and it's only up to a certain level of crime you can't go and set off nukes there's like there's an there's a level you know you can murder people and steal stuff and do all the horrible things that humans have done in history um without any repercussions apart from obviously potentially your own life being in danger Oh, and and the mental scores, oh, yeah. of course, afterwards. But I feel like if you're choosing to go out and do this stuff, then there's already some uh, there's mental scars there already. I'll be asking you right <laughs> at the end if if you would go and purge, but we'll we'll save. Yeah. So here's one of my things um, with it. So you know that there is this ticking bomb at the beginning of all these movies, a ticking bomb. The purge is going to be coming. 
maybe two days away, maybe tonight. And then we get in there and it's the build up and the build up. And what I always find funny about this is that people are just finishing their regular day at work. They've only got three hours or something to get home. Uh, and for whatever reason, they're dilly dallying. <laughs> it's like, no, the one day, the one day you don't want to be driving over that bridge yeah. in your dodgy car <laughs> is today. You know, don't leave late for work. You know, don't go now, yeah, go. Yeah. It really bugs me. And after them, I always just think, what idiots? Why would you do that? But Can you imagine if the filmmakers decided to, to have all the characters act rationally? It would just be two hours of people just sitting at home watching the news, wouldn't it? <laughs> it might not be the most popular Purge movie, but it'll be the most realistic yeah, yeah. one. Uh, right, okay. So, your history with The Purge. I mentioned that you love the TV series. Does the TV series go in a different route than the films, these one-off little stories? Uh, well, the first season is set during, like, as The Purge happens, and each episode, I'm fairly certain, is like an hour of The Purge. A bit like how 24 was done. Uh, I may be wrong about that, but I know the timeline is definitely stretched, and I think maybe that's why I enjoyed... I didn't say, necessarily wouldn't say I enjoyed it more when we had that conversation before it was because i was recently watching it so it was you know the most fresh on my mind but with a movie they have to get all of the information in and all of the action points and all the character development done in two hours which is sometimes why they cut a lot of corners with with characters decisions um as though they're just like what you'd refer to as an npc just a character like making decisions randomly with no consequence to their actions even though there obviously will be negative consequences to them um, it's like running down an alleyway that's marks like imminent danger and the other way says safety and they choose to go down the imminent danger alleyway which I believe has probably been parodied in a, a spoof horror movie more than once um, the series does have that still but it's spread out quite nicely so you actually get a lot more information uh, and it can introduce more characters and have the characters have a bit more depth to them than you would might get in a, in the movies I think that this one does the best with what it's got, though. And I'm so glad you chose it rather than the first one because, as you say, that first one, the story seems a lot smaller and the the, the decisions made seem a lot sillier yeah. in retrospect. Especially, I think this is the second one. It is, is the that, second am I right one, yeah. So they seem to have fixed those problems and just hit the ground running here. And I especially like when you mention characterization. It could be a little sort of mini a small film on its own when they go into the apartment in the middle of it and there is the issue with the I think it's someone's having an affair with someone yeah, else's the, the two sisters sister yeah and all that you completely understand what's happening uh, and it's a nice little sort of vignette right in the middle of this otherwise sort of long journey this road movie I think mm. it's really cleverly done and I love that in this is that the reason why you like this one? Because they've sort of ironed out all the ideas and like got it going? Or is there something else that makes you go, no, the reason I like this is because of this? It, that is definitely an element to it. That, that, In my opinion, the second Purge movie is definitely the better of the Purge. Admittedly, I've not seen the newest one. For some reason, it, it completely bypassed me, so I'm going to have to have, have a watch of that. But it's definitely the better one of the, the first four, I suppose. Um because it's it has elements of cause and effect so like the the main character's doing this for this reason and then 
will he pull it off towards the end you got to find out um but on the way he gets hits with all these speed bumps this classic you know film writing and, yeah yeah and this and um but it's done really well and it's done where you can kind of see different even the characters that you don't necessarily see too often like the 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 character the air quotes bad guys who are chasing the couple who their tire breaks or, or their uh, their brakes are cut aren't they and then those characters are like chasing them to sell them for money you can even see in the short time you see them on screen why they're doing it technically and how they're doing it so it's like it feels very complete you're not left with any real questions and even towards the end if i'm allowed to spoil the movie who knows of, of course. course if they haven't seen it by now then they shouldn't be listening um no where he chooses not to kill the guy who drunk drove killed his son he he made that choice and you can you can really see the emotion going through the the actor in that situation because he has a full breakdown and you think he's killed him but then his actions of not kill him killing the guy actually saves his life right at the end so it's like that's a really nice twist whereas purge one the twist i was not a fan of that at all it's like what i just said but opposite with no with making no sense uh the, the thing with this one is it is tied very nicely as nice as a purge movie can be you know it's bloody disgusting gory uh it's t- it's a nice bow at the yeah. end of this one and it also makes you very confident in the filmmaking going forward you know that the next one oh actually they've they really know what they're doing here i, I was mm. surprised when there was a purge 2 that came out um just because I thought The Purge was alright I thought it was an alright movie but it done really well and of course there is going to be a Purge 2 with Blumhouse if it, if it makes money yeah. let's do it Well, um, The Purge 1 obviously had to set up the premise of The Purge because you know in theory no one knew what The Purge was so that's why I think the second one did a lot better because you'd already you didn't have to waste time going what's The Purge we already knew what it was from the first movie um, so that, that definitely helped why I think the second one was better the third one was where with the same character the main character and and it wasn't necessarily bad but it it felt like it wasn't as uh consistent i think as as the as the second one because the character had no longer had the same emotional motivation that he had in the second one um apart from money which is his job um whereas he was like mowing people down left right and center in the second one because he needed to get to a place for a reason that only he could understand which is why he had a lot of uh, what I refer to as plot armor, so the bullets just d- go past him because he need he's needed in another scene later on. <laughs> and thank goodness that he did have that armor because yeah. <laughs> like there was some. I think the baddies in this were were awesome, and there were the sort of things growing up that I would be remembering and talking about in the playground. So you, like the gang uh, that you mentioned that cut the brakes. Um, you don't know what they're all about before. You just think there's some nasty bastards mm-hmm. that are going to do some damage to whoever they find. But no, there is a reason why they're out there. They they want to make some money so they can kidnap and sell people to these rich folks. I love the look of him with his mask on and it's got God it's written It's terrifying, it. isn't it? It's proper good baddie. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, yes, I, I want to see this guy mashing people up. But that's not what he's about. No. The one that does that is that big daddy fella. Yeah who's on the back of a truck with that massive helicopter machine yeah. gun, like gunning everyone down. Which ironically was paid for by all the rich people, um, and all the rich people in this movie are all portrayed as really evil. So it's like you could see where their social standpoint lands with this movie, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> 
So the actual the actual evil people were the people they were selling the humans to, not the they were just the middlemen. I'm not I'm not condoling it, obviously. Well, maybe we should. <laughs> no, no, we definitely shouldn't. The final act, and this is where this film sort of opens up the whole world, because there's obviously more elite people than these. This these are just the elite in this area, sort mm. of thing, you know, this local area. But they line everyone up that's been captured, and then they auction them so that the other rich people can hunt them. Yeah, uh, and that that's um, definitely been sort of run with since then. There was this film called The Hunt that came out in the last couple of years, and also um, even even a few of the films like um, Cube and its sequels, and then you've also got the one called Platform that was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. They all follow those similar sort of tropes with the elite uh, controlling all the, uh, the, the string sort of thing. But I think what it, I'm so happy they did it with this because it does open the whole world to, right, this movie can now go anywhere in its sequels. What do you think of the idea of having these, these rich people ready to hunt uh, the poor? Uh, do you think it was the best way to end it? Because uh, cards on the table, I absolutely love that. Yeah, I mean... Arguably, that wasn't the ending because the ending was him going out of there and to try and get this other guy. But I, yeah, I see what you mean. Um, I thought that was I thought that was brilliantly done because it showed. I mean, may the rich people definitely maybe a bit more uh, caricatured of what they might have been like because they were like really romanticizing all of these weapons and romanticizing how oh, look at how much money we've got and i'm not saying there aren't people like that but i think they really went a little bit over the top of like these are evil and this is how we're showing you they're evil so you knew that what followed that would give you a really nice serotonin boost when they all get murdered by the main character or not murdered sorry uh, he self-defended himself on them correct um <laughs> <laughs> he self-defended himself all, all over, over them. them. Um, yeah, but I thought that was—I thought that was really well done. And it, what was even better was the looks on their faces, realizing that oh yeah, money isn't actually going to save us in this situation because they called in all their bodyguards, and he just you know walked through them as well with with the, the you know the rebels that came in. It was like yeah. it, you could see the level of like oh no, it's like they've realized that their whole life is a lie. Um, but when you when you know that was what my favorite part of the movie when he killed some rich people um <laughs> i'm not bitter about but, this that's <laughs> but, well this is the thing i think that it is really comic book you mentioned their caricatures yeah that there is no real person in this film i think everyone's exaggerated mm. but i like that it reminds me very much during the 80s with the the friday the 13th it's just like that. It's another film franchise that you know roughly what you're going to get. How are they going to do it differently this time? And I just think the Purge Anarchy is really successful in it. Yes. Plus, plus, you, Keely Sanchez. She is so unnaturally beautiful. <laughs> I can't. I, I, every scene she's in, I forget what's going on. I hate to objectify anyone but it's not fair that someone is blessed in such a way with that face like so yeah it's very difficult for me not to love every single thing she's in ever since she was in lost i'm just oh my word all bets are off all bets are off that's it yeah there's nothing you can say to that i mean really. you've, you've summed it up <laughs> um i want to talk about the worst bits and i wondered if you even noticed this right once I noticed it, 
it was my least favourite aspect of it on my rewatch. Okay. And I hadn't noticed it before I rewatched it because I, I rewatched it analytically. And I don't want to talk about um, what this whole purge represents and things like that. I want people to sort of, I mean, it's pretty obvious, but I want people to just sort of watch it and make what they will of it. But one thing that about the actual filmmaking that annoys me is CGI blood. I didn't oh. notice it the first time. And especially when they are shooting down the rich folks. In the night vision. Um, yeah. yeah, it really it really does show. It hasn't aged very well. Is there anything that sort of got on your goat with regards to worst bits of this film? Maybe not necessarily, again, not necessarily within the filmmaking, but all, the worst bits for in any horror movie for me are the, the really, really terrible choices that people make. And... This answer could probably you could probably copy and paste this in every horror movie podcast you've ever done. It's like it's just and I will and you you should. I I, I tell you, um, it's just so frustrating how. And I know they have to do it to kind of go. Oh, these guys are idiots. They need saving, or they're going to die because it it's like it's fodder for the the main evil people i suppose and it, you know as we spoke about earlier if, yeah. if everyone made rational decisions the film would be really boring but some of the decisions are like utter madness um like the 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 way that it was dealt with maybe in the um with the two cheating sisters it was just so over the top it was like if they don't know that this guy's cheating on one of them, but they then they you know obviously they did, but it was just so like in everyone's faces that the parents seemed shocked yeah. by it, and you know if you knew that these two people were having issues, even the husband should be like, oh maybe we shouldn't go and purge with your sister this year, or go lock down with your sister because she's probably going to murder you, and then you know, but. <laughs> <laughs> it was just yeah i think if they had done it a little bit more subtly then it would have carried a bit better but it was it was super silly you're like you see that coming a mile off and you and i understand why they did it because it's like a bit of a a lighthouse in the storm like oh they're safe now oh even yeah. now they're not safe even in the safe place because of you know the defining element there is the human beings there are all insane <laughs> just it's so creepy and uh, I, I, there's a word for it. Uncanny Valley, you know, with someone's face. You got that as soon as you walk in that room. Everything is wrong. Yeah. This is not your normal room. That's why I liked it so much. <laughs> um, it just seems so like, oh, anything's going to kick off at any minute. What is going wrong? Why are they even here? I suppose so. It adds to the anxiety level that the Purge movie arguably has as a baseline throughout the whole thing. Like you were talking about the sirens and you're like rubbing your hands with excitement but also it does yeah. it does heighten your anxiety because you're like you know what's coming and it, you know and arguably we've all sat there and thought if the purge was real how would you deal with this and next, next question. question so i t Go on. i told you the last question is <laughs> is this the best purge movie it's not um because i think my myself i've seen them all now i think this is the yes. best um you you've already said it, i think it's your is, favorite yeah. of the lot so Purge night. It's a real thing. What are you doing on purge night? I'm not going outside, I can tell you that. <laughs> There's no one you want to watch. No, There's no, no one you want to scare. Not at all. <laughs> and even if I did, I wouldn't give them the heads up by putting it in a podcast. <laughs> too right. Cheney, we're coming for you. <laughs> no, you'd just hide. So you would absolutely hide. Because it would just be like 
insane people who are out and you can't deal with you can't deal with insane people because they don't rationalize the same way you would you'd put the fridge in front of the front door and you'd sit in the middle of a room back to back with knives i say you'd solve that <laughs> correct answer <laughs> Stu. thanks a lot for coming on to the show cheers mate Many thanks to the one they call Stuart Day for coming onto the show to chat about Donny Jepp and the Purge Anarchy. What a combo. It's like burger and fries. It's like Morecambe and Wise. It's Donny Jepp and the Purge. Now, before we go, don't forget to check out patreon.com forward slash a year in horror. Do me a favour. Do me a solid. Go on there. Check it out. Also, if this was your very first time to the podcast, then why not return on the first of the month for one of our big hitter shows where we go deep on any particular year in horror that I pick out of a bag. I review all those bloody movies from whatever that year is. I do it really badly month after mother flipping month. And until then, stay spooked, lock your doors, do not go out, hide, just stay afraid. Bye! Do you know what the most frightening thing in the world is? It's fear. Ever you do, don't fall.